What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Fantasy Alarms NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, let's do a quick recap. Uh, we're in the short track portion of the schedule in the spring. How did Martinsville go for you? Because overall, it was probably the worst Martinsville race I've ever watched. Um, It was pretty boring. I'll... I'll... Yeah, I'll grant you that. Um, I'm not sure it was more boring than Kozlowski leading 460-something laps a few years ago. Um, but I think the difference between that is, like, at least other drivers in the field are passing each other. Yeah, not a whole lot of people moved up. I mean, some guys did, but didn't seem – like, Austin Dillon did. He seemed to have nice long run speed. Yeah. And true. screwed up the last restart with a shot to win it. Um, but, yeah, I mean – you know, now the NASCAR fan base is going to complain that the next-gen car sucks on short track. And I'm like, oh. It has been bugging me a little bit this week. Like, the the conversation on NASCAR Twitter is like, why are people asking for more short tracks? And I'm like, you guys have been waiting in the woodwork for a crappy short track race to come out and say, why are people asking for more short track racing? We only get Bristol and Martinsville, and one of the Bristol races is one we're going to preview this week. Ultimately, like, we don't get a ton of short tracks, and like, I don't like the DFS aspect of like the any kind of Bristol race. I do like it for Martinsville. I had a very profitable week last weekend. Yep. But I do like short track racing. I'd rather have that than Texas or most mile and a half races. Yeah, it was just a dud. And like dud. every season, every <clears throat> track can produce multiple duds. It happens. But to go, oh, well, the next-gen car sucks on short track, so that's that. Well, have we had a fair shake of short tracks? Because Richmond isn't usually great, but the Richmond race, from what I could tell, was actually a pretty decent race this year. And normally, it hasn't been great. It so, was cold and also kind of damp for Martinsville as well. Right. And so there's going to be a lot of grip because it's cold. And you've got a wider tire base, which is going to get more grip. And when yeah. it's cold and you get more grip, it's even tougher to pass on a track that it's hard to pass on to begin with. Everybody knew going into it, the track didn't <clears throat> matter. And then we all complain when people can't pass. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a real cool story for William Byron to win, considering the fact that last year at Martinsville is when his mom had the seizures that then led to the cancer, the brain cancer diagnosis. And now a year later, she's well enough to attend the race um and he got two clocks yeah because he won the truck race he won the truck race too that was impressive can we also talk about how sweet that raptor paint scheme is on the 24 because that's actually a pretty sweet paint scheme is he bringing that back because it really was it was like what was it just black with like a neon yellow it was pretty clean it was like matte gray with like neon green or yellow trim or i don't know it was pretty sweet though um so, you know, it's kind of a dud. Now we get Bristol Dirt, and then we get another crazy race after this in Talladega. So we're kind of in the uh, midst of a wild card section of the... Uh, you know, we talk about a lot of, like, how the schedule for NASCAR is supposed to be. It's a marathon with not many weeks off, but I do kind of consider this week and next week a kind of some time off, just because I'm not going to be playing particularly heavy. I'm mostly just going to be plugging lineups in to get my credit for the uh, NASCAR Ironman. It's not to say I'm going to mail it in entirely, but it's just like I'm playing three lineups. I have my reservations for the Truck Series. I have my reservations for the Cup Series. Matt and I made a lineup right before the podcast. <laughs> Pretty happy with it without knowing where everyone's starting. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll even throw it out there during the podcast. But <clears throat> this yeah. week, next week, I'm not playing super heavy. Neither am I, um, but can we talk a little bit about how much of a punk Ty Gibbs is? Because that, that's the topic of conversation coming out of Martinsville. We can, and I admit that I am probably someone for as long as I can remember has been an apologist for Ty Gibbs. He's young. He He absolutely grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was kind of like... He, he pretty much decided as soon as his grandfather bought into NASCAR that this was what he was going to be able to do with his life. Um, but, yeah, what he did to Sam Mayer last week was was pretty weak. Well, let's also back up a few weeks because he's been running people over since he got into the Xfinity Series. 
Like, yeah. he will run people over to win. Okay, don't necessarily have a problem with it, right? If that's the kind of driver you're going to be, that's fine. Well, and the other thing is, too, is like, so basically with going with what you said, <clears throat> you know, do you, are you kind of referring to what he did to Ryan Sieg a few weeks ago? Well, he did that, and then he ran over his teammate at Richmond. I forget what race it was. Well, he kind of pushed Jay Nemechek out of the way for a win at Richmond, which I don't mind. But, like, my issue with – my bigger issue with him was, like, what he did to Ryan Sieg. I forget what race it was, but it was very early in the race. It was stage one, and he was, was racing Sieg Atlanta. very aggressive. Sieg and Gibbs and everybody in the field knew that Gibbs had the best car in the field. But Sieg was just really pissed off and wondering why Gibbs was running him so aggressively so early in the race when he didn't need to. He had plenty of time to get around Ryan Sieg. Right. And like he all and he bumped Sieg, Sieg wrecks. Sieg tried to like wreck him later in the race. Ultimately, it made Sieg look kind of like a jackass because you wrecked yourself trying to wreck somebody else. And Gibbs goes on to win one of like three or four of the early races in the season. But I get what you're saying because in that example against Ryan Sieg, he's racing way too aggressive, way too early on. He's got to know he – ju- he just needs to read the room and knowing when he can be aggressive, when he can't. What he did to JHN at Richmond, you know – They're, they're win. I can excuse that a little right. bit, okay? Sam Mayer – okay, he bumped him. I mean, Sam Mayer bumped him off the line to try to win the hundred grand. Mayor's in Dash for Cash, yeah. In the Dash for Cash, right? And if you're going to bump a guy, you better win it. If you don't, you look like a moron. But the problem I have with Ty Gibbs is that he cannot take it. He can dish it out, but he cannot take it. Agreed. Because what did he do on the cooldown lap? He bumped the bejesus out of Sam Mayer's bumper. Oh, he was trying to wreck him on a cooldown lap. Yeah. He hit him once, and then he checked up, and then he hit him again. And then his spotter is trying to tell him to stop. Right. Then gets out of the car, and Sam Mayer has every right to be pissed. Stands his ground, and Ty Gibbs starts throwing punches without taking his helmet off. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna fight, take your damn helmet off. Yeah. Sorry, that's just the that's just the rules as it goes. You don't see hockey guys fight with their helmets still on. What's the first thing they do? Drop gloves, drop equipment, take the helmets off, and go. Right, like. If you're going to dish it out, that's fine. You want to be the heel? Okay, fine. I don't mind guys that want to be the heel. Kyle Busch loves to be the heel. What can he do? He can take it, right? He gets wrecked. He's sort of salty, but then in the post-race interview, he's like, yeah, I probably kind of deserved it because I raced that guy hard last year or whatever, right? Like, hey, <clears throat> you know, all's fair in love and racing, right? So, but my biggest problem is he's just a silver spoon, whiny, whiny baby. Like, you have no respect Matt, say the for your other drivers. Matt, 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 call him the bad word. We can bleep it out. Nope. <laughs> nope, I'm keeping the editing to a minimum. <laughs> he's just a silver spoon. And, like, Kyle Petty, I was watching a clip on NASCAR.com. And Kyle Petty got in a couple of great ziggers on it. One was... Those are such good microaggressions, too. Yeah. One was... I didn't even know little people wrestling was legal in Virginia because <laughs> Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs are not the biggest people in the world. Uh, and then the second one was, he was like, I like how Sam Mayer put his helmet down and took care of it because he's actually paid for one and know how expensive they are. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's a, that's a dig. So, I mean, Ty Gibbs is in great equipment. His guys set up good cars. His grandfather's going to pay the $15,000 fine that, he got because we all and let's know. not act like he like he he absolutely deserves to be where he is like he is a great driver right he's got the skill to win he's the great. only guy that has the same winning percentage in the xfinity series over this minimum of races yeah. that he does is kyle bush but he's also very entitled right and when joey logano is coming forward and giving you advice about how you might want to tone it down and how you might not want to come off as entitled you kind of got a problem on your hands because Joey Logano knows how that looks. Joey Logano knows what it that. is to be entitled. Yeah, he was that early in his career. He still <clears throat> arguably is sometimes, right? Um, I hate how good he is in the booth. 
He's very good in the booth. I me. wanna I really wanna hate him in the yeah. booth. Um he's so good in the booth. But so that's that's my thing with Ty Gibbs. It's like, yes, he's gonna make the cup series. He has to, he's too talented. He's gonna be Not, there in two years. He's he may be there in some spot races later this year. Like they they may Can he? I didn't know if there was like an age requ- I know he can't run super speedways until he's like twenty one. They can find a way. His father is a NASCAR, or his his grandfather is a NASCAR Hall of Famer. Fair. Okay, they'll find a way. NASCAR knows what it has in Ty Gibbs. It's like you know, Ty Gibbs and Kyle Busch in the same race. Are you really not going to tune in and watch that at the Cup level, not just Xfinity? Um, but the guy's gotta. If you're gonna dish it out. That's fine, but you got to be able to take it. If you it is one of those things, like, as much as it can make your blood boil and really want to hate him, just still understand, like, I hate to sound like a Ty Gibbs apologist, but he is a kid. He's a kid. And, like, yes, leaving the helmet on is a terrible look. It makes you look like such a wiener. And I'm sure in five years, in ten years, when he's, like, a championship cup driver – and he and Mayer are both calling rate like Xfinity races in the booth on Saturdays, and they're joking about like, hey, remember when you punched me with a helmet on? Like, there will come a time where everybody laughs about it, and we're like, yeah, Ty Gibbs was like a dumb kid. He has plenty of time to come around and grow. He's just still a kid, and it's like, I'm still gonna write him up and bet on him almost every single week to ma- help me make some money. So well, you have to. I mean, I'm not saying that. No, I totally get it. Helmet off. He sucks at racing. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a bad look. Yeah. And for a guy who, in most of his wins, has run people over to get them. I get it. Which, perfectly fine. I Again, we all cheered Ross Chastain for returning the favor to A.J. Allmendinger a few weeks right. ago at Coda. Right? Have no problem with that. That's part of racing. <clears throat> you got to be able to take it, though. If Do you, you think get that so? healthy about a guy kind of bumping you, because, like, he wasn't even moved that far at Martinsville. Like, it wasn't the thing really is, that bad of a of a bump off the line. So, like, do you think Gibbs is kind of putting a target on his back where there are certain drivers that just in in races going forward that they don't care that if like they'll be more willing to wreck Ty Gibbs to get a win because like he's not doing him himself any favors. Everyone knows how he's driving in Xfinity right now. If other Xfinity drivers are in position to win, do they just rent Gibbs without even thinking twice about it? Well, here's here's my question. Why is Gibbs less hated than Noah Gragson, who was doing the same stuff last year? I think Gragson has kind of changed his image, though. Well, he has because he changed his racing style, right? He, he well, has, but he's also... There is a lot to dice, and I, I actually can't believe we're just giving this much time to Xfinity. I kind of love it. but Especially the, on an off weekend. They're not even racing. This they're weekend. not even racing in Bristol Dirt. But you have to take it. Graxon is, but, no, but nobody else. <laughs> Graxon, if you're just looking from at it from a DFS perspective, perspective, Graxon has been arguably in the best car. He's fast almost every week. He has like a quarter of the wins that Gibbs does. But Graxon, one, is saying a lot of the right things in interviews. Uh, he got off to a terrible start in 2021 with a lot of tech issues. Um, I remember at DRC when Ty Gibbs, I think, won his debut at the right price of like $4,700 on DraftKings. Uh, Gregson opened as a favorite. He had an engine issue on pit road, and it forced him two or three laps down early on. And then I think at Coda, he like got into the dirt and wrecked his car and lap on. It was, it was all in all a terrible start to 2021. And then he was cruising to a win at Miami, but he wrecked it with David Starr with like five laps to go. 2021, I think was a humbling and a great growing experience for Noah Gragson, not to mention his father dealt with personal issues. His dad had to go to jail. I think he's still there. Pretty sure he's still there. So, if you look at who Noah Graxon was 12 to 24 months ago, much different person than he is right now. He says all the right things in the interviews. His driving style has changed drastically. I think he's arguably turned himself from, you know, Mr. Checkers or Wreckers into a legitimate fan favorite with JRM. 
Now, it's hard to see like where he could possibly insert himself into Hendrick Motorsports because nobody at Hendrick is really in danger of losing their seat. No. Um, so <laughs> it, would have to be, it would have to be like another Chevy team at some point. But I think Noah Gragson has, especially when you have a heel like Ty Gibbs coming up through the ranks, when you have someone like Noah Gragson who has done like this complete 180, he's almost endearing himself to the fans even more. Right, but that's what I'm saying, though, is, like, Noah Gregson, when he was acting this punkish 12 or 24 months ago, was way more hated than Ty Gibbs is right now, who is the bigger of the two, like, the bigger of the two punks, and didn't have to work for anything he's been given, right? He has the skill, but, like, they just kept opening doors, because they have... Massive bank accounts, right? Yeah. Clearly not the case for Noah Graxon. So now, I love Noah Graxon. Don't get me wrong. I've liked his personality. I'm just saying, like, it's amazing to me that Noah Graxon wasn't, was, like, more hated than Ty Gibbs is, even though Ty Gibbs is a way bigger punk. I think it's also because it's, like, we weren't talking about Xfinity or NASCAR as much as we were two or three years ago as we are now. So there's more exposure. There's more of a spotlight on it, especially when you have, you know, a Super Bowl winning head coach who owns a NASCAR team and his grandson is coming up through the ranks who has talent. But at the same time, he also seems like a bit of a spoiled brat. And so a lot of people want to talk about it a little more. That kind of was Noah Graxon two years ago. Well, minus the Super Bowl winning granddad. Fair, fair. But I mean, like, you know, we were talking about Noah Graxon as, you know, the villain of the Xfinity series a couple years ago, and he came into this season as the favorite, and and I've liked watching his growth. I think he's obviously grown a lot and just developed into a more mature driver. He doesn't – we haven't necessarily seen too many bad races from Noah, but, like, in his post-race interviews, he just conducts himself a little bit more – Seems like he's just much more mature. He's he's getting it more and more. Now, part of it, though... Is that he wants to get to a cup team. Well, he does want to get to a cup team, but the other part is he's with JRM. They have a very clean-cut, professional image. Well, right? when D- Dale Earnhardt Jr. is your owner... Yeah, you yeah, hope so. I'm not saying it's by accident. <laughs> I'm saying it's intentional. Everything they do is clean-cut, right. no, friendly. Right. Like, this is how you... Here's the, the, you know, book of what you should swallow and then recite it post-race interviews and whatnot. Gibbs doesn't really care about the attitude, right? Oh, they've had it for years. Like, they've had it for years. It started with Logano, because keep in mind, Logano was a punk for for Gibbs before he went to Penske, because they gave up on Logano, and then he went to Penske and straightened out. Kyle Busch... Not exactly uh, a stranger to be in the heel. Denny Hamlin has an attitude on him. I just think we give him a pass, but he's pretty pretty Madonna, considering the fact he said, how is a top team 30th at Martinsville? Like, this oh is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Like, he's so freaking entitled. Oh. And then Truex is, like, the least Truex is guy true. ever, right? He's pretty so, awesome. So I'm not saying it's not intentional. I'm just saying Gibbs is willing to put up with a lot more attitude and punk behavior than JRM is. But on that I'm note, let's I'm talk trying about to look at the clock. Dirt, we just like spent about 15 minutes on the Xfinity series and they're not running this week. But <laughs> we we are at Bristol Dirt uh, this coming week. Um we only really have one race to really look at, which is if we're if we're just trying to focus on track data, I don't know what the hell we can take from the new Nothing. car and somehow apply it to dirt. Um, I don't know. What's the schedule looking like for you this week? I'm not this isn't this isn't a race that I necessarily look forward to, but I will do my darndest in DFS. Yeah, so we do only have one previous race here on the dirt surface, right? Because last year was such a <clears throat> Just a, supposed to be a one-off, and then at the end of stage two, they announced, hey, we're coming back for next year. <laughs> um, that was right about the time they also announced that single-file restarts were going to be a thing, and that, that killed the end of that race. Um, so it is a new car, 
I don't think it really changes much compared to last year because <clears> mind <throat> it was the 750 horsepower package and the low downforce and that. whatnot. Um, the tracks changed a little bit. They're going with progressive banking this year on the dirt instead of just the standard banking that basically mimicked Bristol's banking. Um, so it'll get steeper as you get close to the wall, which should help guys who like to run near the wall, which let's face it, dirt racers love to do that. They like to, you know, try to find the cushion and hopefully not jump it. Um, one thing we can expect though, is that the cars can take more of a beating this year. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Had a great interview up on NASCAR.com talking about this very thing that last year you kind of couldn't touch or you got a tire rub and then your day was basically done. This year with the composite bodies, they can take more of a beating. So there should be more beating and banging and you can rub the wall a little more. And I'm sure control. Ricky loves that. Uh, I'm sure he did not sound <laughs> disappointed when he was <laughs> talking about this. He's like, I can um, wreck guys without wrecking them. And they're doing this at night so that hopefully the dust isn't a problem like it was during the day last year. If we remember, it also got moved to Monday because Bristol flooded last year because of that like derecho or whatever rolled through and flooded um the the town basically um there's a chance that this one moves to monday as well because there's like a 40 percent chance of rain on sunday night uh yes it is easter happy easter to those people that celebrate uh we all get to get dirty for easter so that should be fun but in terms of like what we can compare this to not really anything to be perfectly honest <laughs> um, I know the truck series goes dirt racing once a year. They've previously done it at Eldora. Uh, now they've gone twice a year, but they previously gone to Eldora last year. They went to Bristol dirt and Knoxville. Knoxville. Knoxville waste was an absolute mess. It was a mess. It's also a flat track. So it was Eldora. <clears throat> well, the cup guys race there. The cup series prior to last year, didn't go dirt racing for a points race since 1971. Um, which obviously we're not going to compare to because like guys like Richard Petty were still racing. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a wild card. We can kind of go off of what we saw last year, but don't just think, oh, this guy was great last year. We're going to go with this guy again. You got to look at why they were good. And a lot of that had to do with the guys that had very good long run speed at practice turned out to be very good at the race. Okay. Now, I will say, Practice is Friday afternoon for the Cup Series. It's like 4.05 Eastern and then 6.35 p.m. Eastern. The race isn't supposed to start until 7 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. So it's a night race and late afternoon practice. So the temps might be a little different. I have to see how the track holds up. Um, and there's also heat races on Saturday evening to set the field. So at 6 p.m. Eastern, the cup heat races start. There's four of them. They're 15 laps apiece. And then, you know, you win the heat races and your times get all settled into the uh, into the starting lineup, kind of like we had for the clash at the start of the year. So it's going to be a little bit of a wonky weekend. We're not going to know who's starting for the cup race until Sunday, like, you know, where they're starting until Saturday night. Um. But, you know, we'll still have you covered with, with as much content as we can put out. I will have a track breakdown out. It will not have data attached to it. Sorry, folks. But there's literally there's nothing, nothing I can to do. go off of. I can't. I mean, I could post last year's results, I guess. But that doesn't really <laughs> help you. You should just post a, a link to last year's racing reference page with the loop yeah. data. There was also a bunch of one-off <clears throat> dirt guys that just showed up and raced a cup car for the fun of it. And none of them are back. This year, like Chris Windham was here. He's not here this year. Um, so, and and like I said, there's no other track that really compares to it. You also cannot compare standard Bristol to Bristol Dirt because it's the, the two aren't even in the same ballpark <laughs> of racetrack. So, uh, it is a 250-lap race. Little about half as many laps as there are in a standard Bristol race, so that'll reduce the laps led and fastest laps points quite a bit. But PD should be there because you should be able to move up, and people are going to wreck out. Let's just face it. It's dirt <laughs> racing. A lot of these dudes didn't do very well last year, and they're not going to do very well this year. And so it's going to be a war of attrition. Well, we can also say this. Uh, a lot of dudes are going to wreck out this year, but 
I guess from like a pure racing fans uh, perspective, like Kevin Harvick came into this race a year ago and was terrified of it. Like he had never raced on dirt, right? Had no experience on dirt. A lot of these guys that had no experience on dirt said this was like the most fun they've ever had racing in a car. Oh yeah, you could tell these dudes were having fun. Oh, and, they loved it, and they would put the car and it'd go sideways through the corner, kind of like a real heavy sprint car. Um, and the two dudes who, by the way, are the most expensive again this week on DK and FanDuel, Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell, for obvious reasons because they're huge dirt tra- dirt track folks. They wrecked out early. Like Kyle Larson made it back onto mm-hmm. the track, but Christopher Bell was finished like five laps down. <clears throat> so. You know, Larson made it back on the track, but Bell was done in like fifty something laps. Is all he put up? Yeah. I think I think we were talking about this. He raced like fifty four laps. Fifty one of them were in the top fifteen, and twenty one of them were the fastest laps. So it's a good showing, except for the fact that he finished thirty fourth. <laughs> but you know, so there's a lot of people that are going to come into this and go, okay, this guy's got uh, dirt history. This guy's got dirt history. This guy's got dirt history, and none of those guys did. With the exception of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., none of them did all that well. All right. So briefly touching on trucks, uh, there are a few notable uh, cup guys running trucks just to get some extra practice. Uh, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon are the three that stand out right now. I don't have the truck slate pulled up. I was actually kind of surprised with how few cup series drivers we have in the truck race this year. I think that may have been a bit of a move by the truck series to kind of let dirt racers, just natural dirt racers get into the race without too many cup series drivers get trying to gain extra practice or whatever by running in the truck race. Fine by me. I'm not opposed to it. Um, But again, this is going to be a race that I'm only going to run maybe three to five lineups in. They will all be in the big GPP. I'm only going to play a top of $50 this week. I don't want to play cash. Um, as, as Matt just said, even the best dirt drivers can wreck out here. Um, if you think you can make a good lineup that mixes in some dominator points and some PD without too many drivers, uh, finishing or wrecking, uh, by all means go for it. Uh, for me, this just isn't a race that I feel confident in and having a great read. So I will be playing light. That's for trucks. The same applies to cup. But we are we are here to talk mostly about the cup race, so let's dig in. Do you want to just jump into the shallow end with the most experienced dirt racers like Larson, Bell, Briscoe, maybe a few others? Yeah, we can touch on them a bit. I mean, I'm not sure. Again, we're going to be kind of talking in generalities here because, again, we don't know where anybody's uh, starting. We don't know what they've looked like on track because practice is until Friday. All we can do is base it off of last year. Any cup rookies aren't going to have raced last year for the most part. Um, and last year was kind of a, the the end of that race was really determined by single file restarts. Which was so like, dumb. I mean, I understand why they did it because the dust was so bad that you literally, they showed the in-car and you could not see it going through turn one. You could not see anybody in front of you because the dust was so bad. They could not keep the track wet enough. Um, They've made changes this year. They talked to a bunch of dirt tracks. You know, got those problems solved. Supposedly, we'll see it (laughs) in action this weekend. Um, But yeah, that was, so a lot of the second half of last year's race was determined by single file restarts. So... Joey Logano basically never had to give up the lead in the second half of that race, which changed quite a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, All right, let's just dig in. Kyle Larson's the most expensive driver. We do know that he has, um, he's got experience on dirt. Like there's no denying that. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to, I will not dwell a lot on the current package in the current car. Uh, for this particular race. No. But I, I just, I do feel that if he qualifies well, a lot of people might look here for some expensive early laps led, but I think this might just be a spot to fade the most expensive guy. I might take a G, a PGA approach with it this week and just fade the most expensive drivers. 
Yeah, I might be with you on that. I mean, uh, there's going to be people that aren't going to play because it got bit last year by playing him, and then he wrecked out and didn't have a very good day. Okay, but that happens all the time in, in dirt racing. Like, dudes wreck out, and then they come back and, <laughs> and win. Um, Larson's perfectly capable of that. But, yeah, his price is very, very high. And even if he's starting up front, I don't know that there's enough laps led to really just like justify the price tag if you assume that he'll wind up kind of sliding back a little bit um because remember cars that are good in the beginning of this race may not be good at the end of this race because you know if they hold their speed from practice the second practice let's say that practice isn't going to run past the second half of sunday's race right so the temps are going to drop Rip's going to change, the track will change. Who knows what happens when the track gets worn in. Um, so, you know, once it gets packed and you get more than 100 laps on the track, I feel like these guys can kind of figure out what's going on. The early advantage that Larson and Bell have is that they can find speed where others can't. But once they find it, other people can find it. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. their advantage is going to disappear about halfway through that race. Uh, what's going to be the read for, uh, I don't know, just, I guess, anybody else in the top tier? Like, at what point do you, I guess, all right, so I guess the thing that's on my mind is, like, I don't know really how to weigh, you know, if we're running just typical Bristol, I don't want to start too many guys far back. Do you maybe forgive that strategy and just forget it? and maybe look to some guys that are offering PD deep into the 30s because we can expect quite a few guys to spin and wreck here? Um, so let's see. Last year we had the top 19 drivers finished on the lead lap. And then everybody from there to 26 finished one lap down. And Bubba Wallace finished 27th, two laps down. But that belies how good of a race he actually had. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a flat tire late that caused him a problem. But he actually had a bunch of fast laps and <clears throat> running as high as fourth. Um, so I think it's possible. I don't know that we saw a lot of it last year. But again, last year was a one-off. And people basically got locked into their finish position once they went to single file restarts. Um, so it's it's possible if you kind of expect guys in the middle to have issues and wreck out, and then we get, you know, the like the plate strategy PD. But I'm still not going terribly far back. I mean, I'm trying to look. Last year, Kurt Busch started 28th and finished 16th. <clears throat> um, Chase started 26th and finished 10th. That's Elliot. Um... Stuart Brazen, who's not in this year's race, started 32nd and finished 23rd. Quinn Hauf started 33rd and finished 25th. So, I mean, it's possible, but, like, you know, Ty Dillon started 39th, finished 26th. But that's Ty Dillon. He always finds a way to move up. It's ridiculous. Um, But I think you're still in danger of getting trapped unless a significant amount of people wreck out. Um. Can we just uh, just talk about Todd Gilliland? Yeah, Todd. All right. I know, I know, Matt and I typically start the podcast or when we do the driver pool breakdown. We start at the top tier, then we dip into the mid range. We try to find some value players, then we discuss the punts. I do not think that Todd Gilliland is necessarily a punt this week. I think he'll necessarily. I I do think he'll be chalk at fifty four hundred no matter where he starts because he ran the truck series last year in. A lot of people will call it great equipment. I will call it good to great equipment. Um, The 38 car is solid. He did win a race or two last year. I know he won Coda. I can't remember if he won a second race. But at Bristol Dirt, he started 13th, finished 4th. Didn't have any dominator points aside from one fast lap. Okay, but before X. Yeah, it, the bejesus out MT, of that race. MTJ pretty much ran ahead for most Sheldon of the race. Sheldon Creed led like almost 40 laps. Yeah. 
but then at Knoxville, which is a flat dirt track, Gilliland started third, finished fourth with 15 fastest laps and 61 laps led. So Todd Gilliland, who has been a decent, cheap source of PD for a lot of the races this season, didn't have a good run last week at Martinsville. Probably started a little too high at 10th. I still threw him into some GPPs, though. It didn't work out for those lineups. But I'm willing to go back to the well this week. Um, he's only 5,400. I know we don't know where he starts, but all that matters is where he finishes. Really, if we're assuming that he maybe starts, I don't know, let's say P27. And he's 5,400. He only needs 27 points. If he starts P27, he only can finish 21st for 5x value. But should we throw the concept of 5x value out, like just out the window this week? Because you will need, you still, like this is Bristol, it's a half mile track. You do need to get dominator points here if you want to take down a GPP. Yeah, I mean, you will. There's 250 laps. Yes, it's shorter than a normal Bristol race, but look, we've been focused on them at Richmond, which had, um, you know, about that many, and Martinsville had 400 laps. And heck, we're focused on them for intermediates, which have, you know, 260 something um, laps. So, yeah, we'll need to focus on them uh, to take down a GPP. But it is real hard to ignore Todd Gillen this week. He may be chalky, but he's, I mean, he's the most likable dude in that range. Um, I mean, Noah Graxon's there. He's pretty likable. But I mean, for DFS purposes this weekend, uh, Todd Gillen is, is, Pretty spectacular. Ty Dillon's in that range, but he's also 800 bucks more than the Todd father. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if you, if you need a money saver, it's real hard to beat Todd Gilliland this week. Um, if you wanted I, to fade uh, the chalk, though, if you wanted to fade the chalk in this range, who might be the pivot? Do we really look to Noah Gregson at 5,300, who we were praising so highly 20 minutes ago or do we try to maybe pivot up to Justin Allgaier um, I don't know I mean Allgaier hasn't been great in the cup series though like yeah but that's on like a solid surface <laughs> I, I don't know there's less like you know there's these less one-off guys in here um I still think Ty Dillon's a reasonable pivot. I mean, I know he's more expensive. I still like him. He just finds a way to move up and pick up spots. Um, do we trust Corey LaJoy? I'm just trying to see if he... Oh, um, well, he finished second to last last year. I mean... I'm just trying to see if this I'm I'm looking at last year's data and I'm trying to find a reason to maybe justify Cole Custer. The only justification I can make is he didn't SHR equipment equipment. Yeah. I mean And eventually he does need and we're saying this before we know practice and qualifying, but it's like this is a guy who has four straight finishes outside the top twenty. Has not made the most of the 41 car. Nope. Um, he really needs to do something to really ensure his his ride because he hasn't won since, what, Kentucky in 2020? And they don't even Yeah, run. that was two great laps. It's two then, great. It was two fantastic laps to get his win, yeah. Right, but he hasn't done anything since then. So, I mean, it's these guys are down here for a reason, right? If we could find reasons to play all of them then they wouldn't be priced this low. Fair. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna toss Bubba Wallace out there because I think a lot of people are just going <clears> to <throat> look at the surface and go, eh, he didn't really what finish that know? great. He started 19th and finished 27th, but okay. He was running, I mean, his average position during the race was 12th. Okay. Yeah. So he clearly moved up well. He moved up on average seven spots. He got as high as fourth. Um, he had 21 fastest laps, which. Oh, I think I read the wrong column. Oh, no, sorry. He had two fastest laps. 21 quality passes. passes, Yeah. 
that's not bad though. I mean, I'll take to put that in perspective. Let's see if I can sort it here. Um, that puts him squarely in the top ten in quality passes for the race, which is reasonably impressive. With guys like Stenhouse and Chase Elliott and Blaney is still like any service you put that guy on, he'll figure out how to pass people. He had um, the twelfth best driver rating in last year's dirt race. Yeah, so I think a lot of people are just going to look past Bubba Wallace because it hasn't been a great year for him. Uh, but I still think he, he's kind of worth it a little bit. Tyler Reddick, uh, that guy should be played. I'm sorry. He just, <laughs> like, it, he's going to be exciting no matter the surface. He's 9200 bucks. I think he might get a little overlooked at that price because you got Truex is only like 400 bucks more than him on DK. You got Kyle Bush right behind him. Um, so, like, I think Reddick might be overlooked, but he had a real good race here last year. Started 27th, finished 7th. So, that's pretty impressive. Um, almost an 80% top 15 rate, which means he ran more than 200 laps inside the top 15 positions on the grid. Also impressive. Um, nearly a 90 driver rating is also really good. So, you know, we're going to want to uh, focus on guys that have long run speed of practice. And we'll see how much we weigh last year. I mean, I know I just named a bunch of dudes that did well last year. But um, this is going to be such a different race from last year. I don't know. I feel like we're stuck in this awkward position where we don't want to leave the listeners feeling like they learned nothing from the podcast, but we just don't have enough to give them at this point. And we're recording I mean, this on Eric Wednesday. Jones started 24th and finished ninth last year. That's how goofy this race was. <laughs> but Daniel Suarez led a bunch of laps. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. No, literally nobody... <laughs> saw Daniel Suarez doing anything. There, like, what do you know? He leads basically the entire... Yeah, no, and, and you're not wrong. It's like, if you go back and watch the race, it's like when Daniel Suarez is leading 58 laps at Bristol, even the even like the announcers are like, well, who saw this coming? Nobody! Yeah. I mean, he, he led almost as many as Joey Logano, who won the race. Logano led 61, yeah. Suarez led 58, and Truex won 126. It led 126 because he got a boost from the truck race. Because, like, that guy's got zero dirt experience, too. How about we talk about William Byron real quick? Okay. I mean, he had a good run here last year. Does that matter? I don't know. He didn't lead a single lap, but he had had 21 fastest laps. Denny Hamlin led one. And uh, we can talk about, we could probably do a whole podcast on Denny Hamlin at this point. But he led one lap last year and led twenty and had twenty nine fastest laps. Yep. There will be these gems in good equipment. I have more faith at the moment in the HMS equipment. Like you, you got to collect the dominator points somehow, and like there will be a driver out there that leads no laps but somehow gets like maybe ten percent of the fastest laps. And if you have that, they might be optimal if they finish well. Yeah, I mean it happened. It happened last year. So, you know, Stenhouse started 13th, finished second, had 11 fastest laps and zero laps led, and nobody paid him any mind. And he did pretty well. William Byron, 21 fastest laps, no laps led. You know, it'll happen. These guys will find fast equipment. I don't know how many people are jumping off the Denny Hamlin bandwagon after his we shouldn't be in 30th comment, but... It's kind of hard to go back to the well a week after he absolutely crapped the bed at Martinsville. Was, yeah, but it wasn't like a great week week for JGR, was it? Because well, he and Truex were chalk, and they Hendrick, both kind of screwed the pooch. Yeah, I mean, Hendrick was so dang good last week. Like, it didn't really matter what anybody else did. No, not really. But, um, I don't know. What did, I mean, Kyle Busch started 11th, finished 7th. Kurt in a Toyota started 18th, finished 6th. 
Um, yeah, that came out of nowhere. He was like the one Toyota I didn't play. But I mean, yeah, it's a fair point. Christopher Bell started seventh, finished twentieth. Truex started twentieth, finished twenty second at a track he's won at three times. He was running pretty well for most of the day, though. Hamlin started twenty fifth, finished twenty eighth. Didn't really do anything in between. But like Hamlin, though, I feel like was a guy that we could be off of because his practice speed wasn't there. The other guys, like Truex, had good practice speed. Kyle Busch ran the second fastest, 10 and 15 lap average, only behind Chase and Byron. So, like, the speed was there to justify playing them at a track that they had dominated in the past. Um, Same with Logano. Logano had the speed. But, like, except for Richmond, it hasn't been a great run for JGR. Do you think like, do you think Penske might be flying under the radar this week? It's like we talk about Blaney, Logano, Cendric. We've mostly talked about Blaney, but at the same time, do you think they maybe take something away from what they did with Logano's car last year, and maybe try to apply it to the cars this year, or do they maybe look at the data and they're like, well, it's dirt. Maybe Logano just had good track position and got the win. Well, I think that's certainly part of it, but he was also pretty dang good. Like for a run for a pretty good run of that race. Yeah. I mean, he did um he did get benefited by the single single uh file restarts. But halfway through the race he, he was in fourth. He started tenth, was in fourth halfway through the race. His lowest position was eleventh. His average run position was fourth, granted about half of that was single file restarts from the pole. But he did pass people. I mean, he had 26 quality passes, so he had a pretty good car last year. Um, Blaney had a solid car. Not, I mean, he started third, finished eighth. Not bad. Obviously, Kislowski was the other Penske guy last year, started 20th and finished 11th. Don't expect him to do the same thing in the sixth part <laughs> this year. Um and I don't know what to expect from Austin Cindric. To be to be honest, um, I mean he's a talented guy, but I don't know how much of his racing career has come on dirt. <sighs> Doesn't he come from like a sport car background though? Yeah, I mean he's traveled all over the world. He's raced in Europe, yeah. like a lot of open wheel racing. That's why he's usually a favorite on road courses. Um. But I don't know that he's done all that much dirt racing. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's done some in the truck series. But he might be a wild card this week. All right. Is there anyone else you want to touch on? I don't have any experience be wild cards in the race. So, I mean, I feel like in this particular race, you have to, if if you're hand building your lineups, I don't know how you can logically, you know, just plug ownership percentages into a lineup generated shootout 150 lineups for a race like this um are there just any like gut feelings you might have i mean we may have already touched on for all i know um it's it's gonna be one of those races where i'm gonna have a playbook out it might be a little more scant this week than in the past doesn't mean i don't like guys that are just want to know where everyone's starting i guess yeah um but it's also one of those wild card weeks. It's going to be not quite to the level of Daytona or Talladega. Um, and we can certainly glean some information from practice and qualifying and heat races. But the track's going to change a lot on Sunday night. Who knows? It might even be run on Monday because of rain. And if it's during the day, then who the hell knows what's going to happen because they didn't practice or run during the day for the practices or heat races. Um so we'll, you know, we'll see. But just because a guy isn't in the playbook doesn't mean you can't play him. If you want to play a guy, go for it. It's your gut. It's your money. It's your lineup. You can play who you want. Um, I will have playbooks out. Can't say it's going to be. There are certain guys that I will be as confident on as I normally am. And then there are other guys that I'll be <laughs> like, if he can replicate last year, It'll work out, right? Yeah. That's 
that's what we got for you this week. I just feel like this week and next week are just such dead zones for the NASCAR DFS season. For me personally, if you want to go heavy on Bristol Dirt and you know Talladega, that's perfectly fine. You do you. This it's is not, just it's not the wisest decision, but it's, it, it's, it's just not my favorite time of year. <laughs> this is not Christmas or no. Halloween. No. Um, so yeah. So you know that's kind of the run. We're on right now in terms of the schedule. And then what is it, Dover? Dover after. Yeah, it's Bristol. I think you might be right. And Dover, Darlington. So this is going to be a fun little run of four races here because Darlington is. I love Darlington. And it's going to be the throwback. I love week. Darlington. That'll be That's such a fun. great race. Is that is that under the lights? Uh, No. Dumb. It's three thirty in the afternoon on a Sunday. Well, that's like nighttime in London. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've gone too long. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, Matt, this was Bristol Dirt. I was honestly thinking this was going to be a twenty to twenty-five minute podcast. We, we did, did find some things to talk about. We say it's going to be a short one, and it's <laughs> the long. It's the longest one. I know. We have one this week. Yeah, we don't well, have F one. Hey, did you see? Did you see what I did last week in F1 DFS? Yeah, you made a buck again. <laughs> I have made a total of one dollar and one penny on F1, playing the same contest for the same amount for three straight weeks. You know what? You're playing for free, and you're I guess that's profit. all I can hang my hat on. I'm. I mean, I'm not taking it down, but I'm playing money. for free. It's better than losing money. No, that's true. But like, eventually, it's like it's got to lean my way. Did you see that I'm bitter that I didn't play my lineup in the fifty dollars single entry you played? Because I would have. I did. I did see that because I texted you that I would have made like four hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good feel on Martinsville. Let's see if I can duplicate it for Bristol Dirt. We'll try, but I don't think it's going to happen. But we'll no, see. no, that's why I'm only playing like fifty bucks. But, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, best of luck to you for Bristol Dirt. Uh, God help us all. Best of luck to the FA Nation. <laughs>